time. How do you create a super app which grows virally without any marketing spend? That's exactly what Gower Lentil has done with Moya. He and his team have created an app that over six and a half million South Africans use every day, and one which could easily see 10x that number over the next coming years. How does it work? Where did he get the idea from? And what's he planning next are just some of the questions that I asked him. Before we start though, I just wanted to thank our game-changing sponsor, Cybrin. They're a critical technology provider for organizations across Africa, and it's a real honor to work with them to bring this series of interviews with awesome leaders to you. Enjoy. Let's start in the middle, and I classify the middle as now. For people that don't know anything about Moya app, I think it's important um, that we just give them a quick pricey about what it's all about and why I'm getting excited. I'm going to intro it, though, with why I'm getting excited. It starts off uh, a wee while back, and you've got no people. Now, you are bringing customers onto your app at thousands, hundreds of thousands a month. I think the last time I looked at it, you've got well over six million, six and a half million active users of the app. So there's something big here because uh, <laughs> I've not been involved in it. It's coming through. It's not, unfortunately, on a device that I use. You don't quite have it on iOS yet. It's for Android. What is Moya app? Moya app is what a lot of the industry like to call themselves or refer to these days as a super app. Um, and by that, really, what's meant is it's one app that does many, many things. Moya app starts first and foremost with chat, but it's data-free chat. So it's like WhatsApp but data free and data free specifically means no data cost to the end user on a mobile network connection to use Moya app. And even when if a user has no airtime balance or data balance on their SIM card, a data free app will still work. So Moya app at the very front, if you like, is data free chat like WhatsApp, but no data cost. How does that actually work? You know, and something I want to know, Michael Lawrence has just posted this question as well. How have you actually managed to create this? And how long has that technology been around for? So it's a long story, Colin. We basically saw an opportunity when I first became aware of what's called mobile network reverse billing in 2015. And what, so that's a product and service all the mobile networks offer in South Africa and what that really means or is like is toll-free data. So if you think of toll-free calling, where you make a phone call, it costs you nothing because the, person, the company or whoever it is you're calling is paying the cost of the phone call. So you can now do that with data. So fundamentally, we can make the experience data-free in Moya, Moya app because we have connections to all four mobile networks for reverse billing, which means we're paying the data cost. Um, even more... Specifically, in mobile network land or speak, they would call it zero-rated reverse build data, meaning access is zero-rated on their network, so subscribers don't pay, and they reverse bill the provider of whatever the content or service is and bill them instead. We've shortened that whole ex ex expression and explanation to the word data-free. So data-free means no data cost to the subscriber because the other side is paying, the publisher, provider, the app, whatever it is. So in the case of Moya app, we are paying the data costs, which makes it data-free for the uh, end user of the Moya app. How, did, so you come across, how had, did you come across this technology in 2015 and, and how long do you think it had been around for? Well, it was actually brand new in 2015. I was at first, I think I was in India or had just been there and a big Indian mobile network called Airtel at the time 
announced the launch of Airtel Zero, which was the first time I'd ever heard about the idea of reverse billing. And over following years, networks, mobile networks around the world started um, adapting that and providing it as a basic product or service amongst their range of communication services they offer. So today you can go to MTN or Vodacom or whoever and you know, get phones, get SIM cards, buy other communication services. You can also buy reverse billing and they'll say, give us your IP address, we'll zero rate it and send you the bill at the end of the month. So that's the basic product the networks offer. What we've subsequently developed is a whole stack of cloud technology to manage reverse billing, implement it, secure it, measure it, provide analytics, and so on. So actually part of our business, the data-free business, is a B2B software as a service product for any enterprise that wants to enable data-free access to their digital stuff, apps, websites, VPNs, whatever it may be. So that's one part of our business. But we also then saw the opportunity to develop the Moya app for South Africa and uh, with a whole different sort of strategy behind it to build an audience platform of mainstream South Africa uh, through this the, the Moya app. So the oh, software oh, oh, we've built makes reverse billing work. What, what is it that drives you to do? And, and this is where I get really interested. There's the technology, there's the, the potential of the future, but there's this entrepreneurial spirit. I'm trying to look for these markers as we go through the conversation. This is this is generally one, you know, genuinely one of them. There's some innate curiosity that you seem to have to get off your chair, get outside of your office and go and explore. You're in India, you're finding this technology. 99.9% .9 of people, even if they're vaguely related in industries that have got something to do with telcos, are gonna pass up on that opportunity and not investigate it further. How, is this part of your DNA? Are you just naturally curious about these things or was it just fluke and there were some other people that took you on the journey here? What, I'm just trying to understand what got you so excited about it to spend time and effort and money to investigate what might have been a flop. I guess it's the entrepreneurial spirit in a, you know, underneath it all. And I don't for one second think I'm unique in having that interest aspiration. Many, many people do. I mean, South Africa is a country is full of um, entrepreneurs from the person, man or woman that wakes up in the morning and has to figure out their daily hustle to earn a living all the way up to, you know, tech entrepreneurs, business entrepreneurs, uh, you know. So I guess I'm in that camp of a basic DNA or innate desire to, or interest in, in creating businesses, technology in particular, seeing opportunity to start something and grow something. But I've been pursuing that interest for the last 25 years basically. And uh, once you start, it's hard, very hard to stop. You know, I can't imagine going back to big corporate or a steady job and a salary and so on, um, having been bitten by the, specifically the internet entrepreneurial bug 25 years ago. Um, oh, all right. But, it's as I say, by no means am I unique. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll be the judge of that. I'm sorry, Gar. We're, it's 2015. We're, you know, you've, you've come across this technology. Was this this, well, you sort of had this eureka moment because, you know, uh, about this data-free model. What was your um, thoughts in 2015? Were you imagining that this massive opportunity with millions, tens, hundreds of millions of, of people, or was it just simply this could be quite an interesting piece that I can run in Sydney and Australia on my exist? What, what was the journey there to go from this discovery to, to roughly where we are now and the vision that you've got today? Well, I think perhaps a little bit of background context will help frame the answer to that question. Um, I'm, you know, for everyone, so everyone knows I was born and grew up in Zimbabwe, but after high school left and went to live in England, my father's British, so I had the opportunity or the British passport, basically opportunity to do that. 
and I lived in the UK for 12 years and went to university and started my tech career, IT consulting in London. I then moved to Sydney, Australia um, in 1990 and have lived there longer than any other country. Um, got the internet bug in the mid-90s, uh, got into my first startup with a co-founder in 1998. Uh, that was a success. And then the tech wreck happened. We did a second startup, uh, which was successful. And really, this business today is our third start, the third startup I've co-founded. Um, so that's the sort of journey. And it started with tech IT consulting. And then the internet arrived in, in my life anyway, 1995, 96. And I never looked back. And I just knew that's the only space or place I wanted to work and uh, did our first startup in 98. So actually... The business today, we uh, data free, which owns the Moya app business, is uh, you know the truth is a very old startup. So we started it in two thousand eight. So that makes us twelve, thirteen years old now as a business, and we still think of ourselves as a startup and, and talk and act like that. But we're a pretty mature startup, as you as you might see from my grey hair. Um, and it's been a long, difficult journey to get to this point. The previous startups sort of played into the mainstream internet space, had good tech, grew fast and were, both were acquired within, you know, the case of one, two years and the second till th uh, three or four years, perhaps. So they, you know, that played very well to the classic internet startup, get a good idea, do something, build tech, grow fast, and then you have an exit of some sort. That hasn't happened in this journey. And we're here, we're still here today, still working hard. And I think now more successful than we've ever been in our long journey, but it hasn't been a bed of roses. So in fact, in um, around 2015, 16, we were finished. The company was dead, no employees, still some working tech. We'd originally built software to work on mobile feature phones. So this was before the smartphone era. So we first started thinking about Nokia feature phones. And from day one, I've always focused on the opportunity in emerging developing markets for billions of people who are going to be coming online, but through mobile internet, not uh, wide internet laptops, but it's all going to be on their mobile devices. And there's some really basic challenges in emerging developing markets all over the world, not unique to Africa. Um, uh, used to be speed. It was very slow on those feature phones, those Nokia feature phone type devices. Um, and cost of data has always been a primary issue. The speed thing has fallen away a bit with the improvement of well, arrival of smartphones and improving mobile networks, but cost of data is still a fundamental primary barrier or constraint for billions of people globally in spending time online uh, through their mobile device, and it remains that way today. So we've always been focused on that challenge and seen opportunities in it because if we can bring solutions to market that help deal with that constraint of cost of mobile data or affordability of mobile data, I should say, that's a very big market opportunity. So that's how we thought about it from day one. If we have solutions that can address I just, that uh, problem. Ask one question there, Gao. When you, you, you say we, is that mainly you or, or is it you and um, you know an inner circle there? Well, I, I think my personality and the culture of how all the any organization I've been in involved in building is very much a we rather than a me. So I have a co-founder in the business who lives in Sydney. Um, he's the sort of tech brains originally behind what we did. And I'm part of that team and our whole company is a team. So I will much prefer generally to talk about we rather than I. So, right. yeah, um, good. I'm, I'm just a contributor to, to that team.
yeah. I thought that time in England yeah. might have given you the royal wee, but uh, okay, good. No, not at all, not at all, not at all. Um, anyway, so there's the issue of affordability of data, mobile data, is an issue all over the world, not just um, here. It's not just an issue in South Africa. It's the same issue in Latin America, Mexico, Brazil, and other countries. It's a primary issue in many Asian markets. It's a primary issue in many and most African markets. And interestingly, it's even a bit of an issue in some developed markets. And I can speak about that later. We've suddenly found we have opportunity for what we do with our tech back in Australia. And if it works in Australia or there's a market need, it's going to work in America too. So ultimately, I think we see potential not just in this part of the world, but in some developed markets as well. But so that's how we've always framed the opportunity in our minds and thought it was worth putting time and effort and investment in bringing solutions to that, that barrier of affordability of data. And in the middle of all that journey in 2015, along came reverse billing and the realization that we could actually make stuff data free, meaning no data cost anymore, no barrier, no constraint on getting connected to any services that are data free. And that's... It was that was a light bulb moment for me and us to realize that was something that could be done now. So the last really five years of everything we've done has all been about that reverse billing data-free uh, opportunity or leveraging that to create business value around that the raw product that the networks offer. So today, mm-hmm. the value we've created is our B2B software business for enterprises and Moya app as a B2C or sort of consumer opportunity to do something really different in this market in particular. And, you know, I've been living here for four years now in South Africa, and it's been an enormous, much more enjoyable than I thought when coming here to be back in this part of the world and bring some of that experience I've had in other overseas markets to bear on doing something that I think is the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my career, being back here doing what we're doing now. Rewarding so working, working, it's not just about money, it's, you know, having an impact. Working in Australia, getting inspired by a telco in India, at a conference or a, a fair, whatever. Back to Australia, this is when the company was called Bainu. Yes. Going bust effectively with the um, the services, the, the making dumb phones smart, I think, <laughs> a good way from what I understand yeah. to summarize it. But still having this incredible belief that the uh, the mobile market is where the access to billions of people will be and now we've got this Eurocom Mo- uh, what was it that I assume you started trying to develop and build this out in Australia first but at some point you've pivoted in your geography and you've come over to South Africa what was the driver for that well truth is we always knew the technology the idea we had and the software we were developing was going to be was applicable in emerging developing markets first not Australia or America but you know some of those emerging markets around the world. And we, in the second incarnation of the rebirth of our business, made a very deliberate decision that we would first deploy our software and the business models around it in South Africa to focus on one market, make it work here. Uh, If successful, then we can look at growing to other markets, both in Africa and other continental areas. But it would be based on first proving it out here in South Africa, not just as a technology, but as a business model and pricing and what the whole value proposition uh, was going to be. And South Africa was kind of an an easy choice. One, I'm from this part of the world, so immediately familiar. Um, It's English speaking. 
as opposed to Spanish in Mexico or Indonesian or, you know, um, I think of Bangladesh. I'm not sure what language, the primary language is there. Uh, I'll probably get it wrong if I suggest it, but there's a cultural familiarity here. South Africa is the biggest, most vibrant economy in Africa. It's a really good launch pad for other markets in Africa. It just made a lot of sense to start here. And I was completely open to and warm to the idea of coming back to live here as an adult after having left at 18. So it was kind of an easy choice, to be honest. All right. That's interesting. That's a comment that's come through. It's, uh, I'll answer this one. Thanks for explaining your app, your vision and your journey. The title of the webinar creates an expectation of a how-to session. I think it's a, it's a good point. But in my mind, um, this is exactly how-to because what I'm trying to get in, and you can ask your questions around this, is the thought process and the build-out to actually go. The app, an app's an app. At the end of the day, a cloud service, a product and offering, they've all got to solve a problem. I'm interested in in how you and your colleagues have actually got there. So if the title's slightly misaligned, then uh, I do apologize for that. But hopefully it's interesting nonetheless. Let's jump back to another question as well. I think it's now time to get into, um, it's still a great idea, but someone's got to fund it. I think it's time to understand that part now and how you went and, um, and found the people that were going to do this. How does the reverse billing data-free model actually work with your B2B customers? So that's a great question, and I'm very happy to talk about the how and the why, and you know, so I'm I'm a tech guy and love talking about this stuff. So, and it's really important. You can't just sort of have an idea and build a business with uh, a strong, clear view on how it's going to make money or be sustainable. So, the basic strategy behind Moya app is to build an audience base, a digital audience base, meaning you know, accessible online in South Africa of mainstream the mainstream population in South Africa, not wealthier people with cars, iPhones, and all the rest of it, which is obviously you know, a good market in its own right. But the challenge for many enterprises, commercial companies, NGOs, government services, is how to reach mainstream South Africa online. And the frustration for many is uh, you know, having a digital strategy, creating apps, websites, putting things online, and then you run into this brick wall, and it's literally a brick wall, where the population or people you're trying to reach can't connect with you are extremely constrained and how much time they can spend connecting with you because they can't afford the data. And affordability is the key word there. It's not just the cost of data, it's about incomes as well. So how do you as a citizen in South Africa connect online to access government services, SASA grants, tax office, applications, driving licenses? That's just government sector, let alone connect with um commercial companies, enterprises offering whatever it is that you might be interested in when you can't afford the data or you can only afford so much. So we're meeting that challenge head on and removing that barrier and saying, bang, it's gone. If you make it data free, if you pay for the data as an enterprise, you can now connect with people unrestrained, unconstrained. So the the revenue model for Moya app, one is to build an audience platform of exactly that mainstream South Africa. You can now connect with them. And you don't have to do it through Google, Facebook and buy expensive ads and try and get clicks that no one wants to click and they don't have data anywhere to click through, et cetera. We have the audience in, in, on the Moya app. And advertising is a part of it. I get really frustrated with the whole digital industry who've been brainwashed for the last 25 years to think it's all about advertising. Sure, Google and Facebook espouse that and they make 95, 98% of their revenue from advertising. So everyone just assumes today you have a digital thing online and you make money from advertising. It's a mugs game that it's really difficult to actually 
build significant revenue volumes with advertising. The only two companies that clean up with online advertising in South Africa are Google, Facebook. Everyone else is picking up the, the breadcrumbs around the edges of that. Um, even Media24 is the biggest online publisher in South Africa, to my knowledge, is yet to make a profit. And they rely on advertising and they rely on Google to provide that advertising revenue. It's a mugs game, if you ask me. So advertising is part of it. But on the Moya app, if you were to go to our website and look at the business section, there are multiple ways to engage the Moya audience. You can put ads, you can run ads for sure, and they're good quality vertical video ads. Um, we have companies who pay us to have their website inside Moya app. So inside Moya app, I can show you, I can access the ShopRite website, the Abo by Nedbank website, and several others. And they are paying the data cost for that. We make a margin on that. And from the user's point of view, they don't have to figure out how to go to wherever on the internet or download an app or remember a URL. They just go straight into ShopRite, look at the specials, et cetera, and plan their shopping. It's easy in Moya. It's convenient. It's all in the one place and it's all data free. And from ShopRite's point of view, they earn more value from paying the data cost for people to access their website than buying ads on Google, Facebook, and paying for the click-throughs to try and get people to come to their website when they can't afford the data or very careful about how they spend their data. So we have data revenue in Moya. We have a business API like the WhatsApp business API. We have, you know, um, we have a messaging platform. It's a chatbot platform. We have companies like ShopRite and others plugging in their chatbot to talk to users on Moya because it's data-free chat, just like WhatsApp. So instead of just being on WhatsApp as a business account and chatbot, they can also be on Moya and reach and engage the Moya audience. We earn revenue. We have a full-blown market research platform on Moya app, which the big research companies in South Africa are paying us to use to access our profile panel of over 200,000 people and we have several government agencies or research organizations um, using it as a platform to do research during COVID, for example. So that's another business line. Um, and we have Moya Pay, which we haven't even discussed yet, which is a mobile wallet money store value that is, we think, will be the biggest revenue earn earner for Moya ultimately. So I mean, definitely, with my background, I want, I, want, I want to get into that one uh, for sure. What's um, another uh, good? Uh, let me just say, Colin, the inspiration, real inspiration or benchmark I look up to for Moya, Moya app in South Africa is WeChat in China. That is an amazing, phenomenal platform that everybody in China uses. And it's way more than just chat or just ads or whatever. In fact, WeChat Pay is the primary value of that platform. So we're bringing that to South Africa for South Africa with our own adaption of those ideas built technology here and that's the game we're in so it's far more than just oh here's another ad platform i think that's an extremely limited way to think about the opportunity yeah absolutely and, and i can promise anyone on the call if you do want um, to really frustrate gower if you follow up or email him or try to message him just tell him that uh, moira app is an advertising platform and it's basically the same as facebook and you're you're gonna get a, a bit of a lecture so uh, i'm suitably lectured and i get it um, and I hope you do too. But for me, it's fascinating. You've got a dependency, Sorry. though, on the on the um, the companies and the organisations that want to let's call it share their services to the markets um, that you're slowly building up on. And, and whether it be government, you know, um, let's use COVID. Whether it be government that's wanting to push a message out with regard to COVID, or even 
um, you know, go further than that to educate people. It's an educational institution. It could be hosted by a company that they're having some sort of interaction with their staff. There are so many user cases where there's there's a non-advertising requirement for organizations to communicate with millions of people. This seems really obvious now. You've been at it for 15, 20 years, and specifically on this app for, if from your Eureka moment, I guess, seven. Um, how hard has it been to get companies to start sponsoring and paying for the airtime and actually building up? Was there a really important anchor tenant brand or client that came on that opened the floodgates? Is it, you know, what, what's been the progression there? Um, so the, there's several themes there because there's sort of the data-free side of our business and the more app side of the business. But I'm also conscious uh, um, there's a, a question that's been asked by Philip, I think, about why would, um, no, who is it? How, uh, how, how does a company justify the ROI? How do we justify the ROI to clients for reverse billing? And specifically in Moya, I'll give you the, the, a great case study of ShopRite. ShopRite spend a large amount of money every month buying advertising online, Google, Facebook primarily, to get clicks, traffic through to their website. They evaluate how much those clicks cost, uh, you know, know what that cost is, and they have a value, an ROI sort of value they measure in terms of uh, users on their website, amount of engagement, and so on. So there's a, you know, an easy, not easy, classic digital marketing ROI equation, cost of traffic, evaluate what that is per, per user, per click, established value gained on the website. You've got a model that you know drives their online spending, ad spending. So we came along to ShopRite and said, well, if you put your ShopRite website in Moya, we'll make it data free and you pay the data. It was a very difficult equation for them to compute and understand. And in particular, the media agency they worked through said, I don't even know what you're talking about. It doesn't make any sense to me because I buy cost per click, cost per CPM and all the rest of it. What do you mean now we're going to pay cost per megabyte of data used. So will you share with me um, after the call, which media agency I'd love to know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so in the end we said, I said, okay, look, you're not getting it here. We'll do a free POC for you for 24 hours. In fact, it was 22 hours. We took the ShopRite website with our underlying tech. We put it in Moya app, it takes us 15 minutes to do that. It's now data free. It's now in the shopping mall of Moya app because there's 3 million people a day inside Moya looking at stuff. So you don't have to buy, click and go and advertise on Google and Facebook or whatever. You just put it there and they walk in the door. In 22 hours, um, 62,500 individual people came and visited the ShopRite website, data-free in Moya. No ads, no clicks, none of that stuff. They just walked in and they spent more time engaged in the ShopRite website than they normally find because it's data-free. So they wandered around and looked at the specials and do what they do on the ShopRite website. And when they evaluated the ROI, like what was the data cost for that? Boil it all down to a cost per active user or cost per engaged user. Compare that to the same metric cost per engaged user that you buy from Google, Facebook. It was cheaper and they got more. 62,500 people in one day, you, you know how much money you've got to spend on Google, Facebook to get that kind of volume of traffic, let alone engagement. It was cheaper. So when you put it in metrics that the customer advertiser understands and they can evaluate it on an apples apples basis, it all suddenly starts to make sense. And they didn't lift a finger. They didn't have to run an ad campaign, book it, do the creative, all that stuff. They just said, yes. I said, all you've got to do is say yes and we'll show you. And sure enough, since then, they've been a, an active customer of ours and growing their engagement. So 
as another part of that case study, ShopRite have 22 million people registered in their uh, loyalty program, Extra Savings, and they have a vast amount of data about those people because they've got shopping habits and all the rest of it. They want to communicate with their own users about offers and things and uh, advertiser promotions and so on. How do they talk to their, their own loyalty members online? Well, they go and find them on Google, Facebook, or they upload audience profiles to Facebook, which is now just telling Facebook this data you have about people who like coffee or nappies or <laughs> buy nappies or whatever it is. So ShopRite's frustration is how do they talk to their own customers online? Well, you know what? A large percentage of them are on the Moya app because it's mainstream South Africa. So they can communicate with their own users on Moya app and not give all their data to Google, Facebook. And it's, you know, on a cost basis, more efficient. The users are more engaged because it's data free. So suddenly you're opening up a whole channel of communication for ShopRite that never existed before. All right, That's let's do, the let's do more logic of what we're doing. Let's do more app pay now because there's quite a lot of people that have mentioned it. WhatsApp, me in the background, a lot of the uh, people that I've invited are coming from a financial services background. And in all honesty, I want to hear about it as well. This to me seemed a little bit different though, because you're not, this, these other services, oh geez, there's so many questions. You know, if I, I think about ShopRite, it's, it's their platform, their service, you're the, the intermediary um, providing the gateway, if you like, to the, the customer base and for the customers to ShopRite in this novel way. When you look at the Moya um, app pay, hey. this is a little bit different because you're putting a lot of effort into building the service yourself and not being totally reliant on the, the banks and other financial institutions. Is, could you just talk us through that? Sure. Can I share a screen? You can. Let me see. I might have to change We're the in setting. a moment. Just enable it. And yeah. So actually, the truth is the whole one of the big parts of the strategy behind Moya Moya app with chat and content and so on to build this mainstream, this audience platform of mainstream South Africa is actually more than anything about financial inclusion and giving people an option that's better than cash or better, cheaper and better than the banking system. So I am shocked, literally shocked coming to South Africa after living overseas for many years at how expensive banking is in South Africa. It's crazy. It's nuts. I have a free bank account in Australia with a mainstream bank. I have a free bank account in the UK. And in South Africa, I can't even get a bank account because I don't have a South African ID, or not easily. And when you do, it's more expensive than I've ever seen anywhere in my life. Banking here is expensive. It's good, high-quality banking infrastructure, whatever. The problem in South Africa isn't unbanked, it's underbanked. People are banked, but they don't use the banking system because it's too expensive. Bank charges, you know, account charges, fees on transactions. Every time you even think of your bank, it's costing you money. The Capitec, I'm just using them as a good example. The proposition is give us your money. We'll look after, keep it all safe and secure and everything which they do. But if you want it back, I'm going to charge you. Every time you get money out, ATM transaction, uh, EFT, whatever you do, it's costing you money. It's like bizarre to my mind. And I think that's the opportunity in South Africa to get real financial inclusion you have to make it cheaper and affordable. Mm. In China, there are 1 billion people on WeChat. There are 900 million people who use WeChat Pay, which is their mobile wallet, all day long, every day for everything. And it costs very, very little. The transaction fees are minuscule compared to what, what you normally experience here. You know, in China, 70% of all transactions in the Chinese economy of 1 billion people, now the second largest economy in the world, are done with mobile wallets. A little, you know, irrelevant cost to the consumer. 
they don't use cash. They use, you know, QR code scan and pay, not cards, not banking rails, not POS devices that all cost money. QR code scan pay from one cent upwards. We're doing that in South Africa with Moya app and Moya pay. So if I share my screen, I'll just give you a quick flavor of it. So embedded in Moya app, which the whole point is it's one, one app, it's not a separate app. On the right-hand side there, you'll see, uh, we have been calling it Moya pay, paid or pay D. We're about to get rid of the D and just call it Moya pay. In fact, we sort of made that branding change. So this, I live on Moya pay in South Africa. It's a full-fledged mobile wallet store of value. I, money can be transferred in here from the banking system, from overseas transfers. I can get paid my wages, salary directly into this mobile wallet. Um, it's at, uh, there's no cost to register, no monthly account charges, zero. And we generally do not charge people to spend their money. It's more like the reverse billing model. The money or the fees are on the other side, people being paid or receiving money or merchants or vendors or commissions from buying airtime, et cetera, et cetera. That's the monetization model. We don't charge people to spend their money. It's connected to the banking system. I can transfer money out to a bank account. No problem. I can send, do an EFT to you right now, Colin. Um, I, can, I have a prepaid MasterCard linked to this account. So in fact, my balance is partly in my account and partly on my prepaid MasterCard, which I can use in any store around South Africa for grocery shopping, coffee, restaurants, you name it. I just tap the MasterCard. But increasingly, I can uh, scan and pay a QR code. So if I want to get paid by anyone, I tap these links. I get my own QR code, which I hold up on the screen to someone, or I can wear it as printed form around my neck or whatever. This QR code can be scanned and paid by any other Moya paid user, but also by any banking app, FMB Pay, Absa Pay, you name it. All those banking apps can directly pay me into this account by scanning that QR code. No POS machine, no mobile connection, no cost of POS machine, no transaction fee paid to the card companies within the Moya system. So you can pay me for free. I will get paid. It costs me nothing. It's data free. Happy days. Uh, a street vendor, a merchant, a business could easily register on the platform as a business or user, get their own QR code printed out, put it on the, on the tabletop and get paid without any further fuss or bother. And our standard merchant fee to be paid is 1%, not 3% a la the card system. It's 1% within the, the Moya uh, pay ecosystem. So we have Can I ask a couple of now. questions about this? The, um, sure. And a couple that are coming through as well. So... The, f the first one I've got is um, presumably you're not a bank. You're not registered or licensed as a bank, though. So you're under the, so, F the financial, what is it they called now? The Financial Prudential Authority. I think they changed their name um, since well, I left banking. It's a mobile wallet. It's, um, we have meet all the compliance requirements of the Reserve Bank in South Africa. Money in the MoyaPay accounts is actually sitting in a treasury account in the bank, in the bank or a few treasury accounts. So it's completely legit, uh, compliant with banking regulations here, but it's not a full-fledged bank account. So we don't have to go up a threshold of, we don't provide loans and pay interests and uh, we're not a deposit-taking institution where we hold the money. The money's actually held in the banking system. We don't use it or come, you know, we're not a bank. So this is a, a sort of tier below a full-blown bank account. In fact, it's better than a bank account because it provides most of the facilities of a bank account aside from loans and finance. Um, but in terms of payments and storing money, it's exactly the same and it's free, data free. 
Um, Did you find it difficult to get the banks to support you? If I'm sitting there being narrow-minded as a bank, I really don't want to support this service because I'm probably losing money as more people go into this virtual world with free transactions. If I'm Capitech, as you use them, I'm potentially losing out a small amount. And then following on from that, are you intending or do you already to have the major banks on Moya, even though they're competitors? So that Amazon system where you've got your own products, you compete equally, though, and you also go and support others that compete with you. It's complicated. I mean, we work through partner companies that um, have the compliance requirements and they provide the, the compliance authority and we do KYC, proper KYC when people register, etc. As I said, the money is in the banking system. We do interact with the money, the banking system in terms of money in, money out. Um, you know, never, you know, the, our cards are issued with the, the sponsoring bank is Access Bank. So we're kind of a friend you know, we use banking services to enable MoyaPay. We just have a different pricing model to the end consumer than the banks offer. Um, so I haven't sent, seen any friction on that front in its early days. But, you know, the, the whole strategy was to build an audience platform of six and a half million people today driven by chats and content and then bring this into it, not download and build a whole new separate install base of just a banking app. And because of the integration with all the things in Moya. We have companies who want to chat to users, get paid for transactions. We can enable payments directly in chat without leaving it. Uh, so we have several businesses now working with us at a business level to use all the services in Moya app, not just Moya Pay, but it's a really important part of it. And we think ultimately the opportunity is to go to market here with something that's better than a bank account and it's better than cash. The real competitive opportunity is cash. The cash economy in South Africa is still gigantic. The informal economy, the township economies, and so on, largely work on cash. And part of the reason for that is banking is too expensive. And you, you've got to change that equation to even have a chance of, of being an alternative to cash, like WeChat have done in, in China with WeChat Pay. So we're coming to market with something that's better than cash, we think, because it's safer, secure, easier. You, don't, you remove all the risks and costs of handling cash. But it's not a bank account. It's better than a bank account because it's cheap and free and data free. All right. Well, we can... the, the, clock, the clock is ticking. So we're going to have to speed up now and try to move into some sort of okay. yes, no short sentence answers, Gower. Otherwise, well, we're never going to get through all of them, but let's get through as many sure. as we can. And, I'll be quick. And then I think and then Marius will be uh, joining us in a minute or two um, to sort of close us out. And there is a summary I want to give as well, because there's so many things I've learned of this call. But first up uh, from Stephen Van Collar. Uh, which is great because, you know, XMTN and EPS Banking now, uh, COOH, asking you, do you have South African citizens? Do you, is, do you have to be a South African citizen to use no. a Moya Pay? No, it's open to foreigners and obviously South African citizens. We KYC passports as well as SAIDs. Question from and that's allowed anonymous. by the regulations. That's completely well, should, legit. Should, we'll, we'll take that as a given. A question from Anonymous. Why did WeChat RSA fail? I think that's a really good question, that as well. You could equally say M-Pesa, I suppose, in that sense. You're succeeding where others have tried before. What do you think the reason for that is? Well, I don't think, the, you know, to disrupt the network effect of WhatsApp, which is gigantic. No one has disrupted WhatsApp anywhere around the world where they have market dominance and network effect. I think we're the first to do it anywhere in the world. And what it starts with and builds up from is data free. WeChat came to market with a product offering that wasn't actually as good as WhatsApp in terms of the chat experience and was all this Chinese stuff in it that no one really understood. And it had a wallet in there, but no one really wanted or saw the value of that. So they had no chance against WhatsApp. 
in my view, and they tried, they failed miserably. And when you, as soon as you start buying users, so by the way, all the growth in Moya app has been viral. We don't advertise Moya app, it's viral. And it only goes viral if the value proposition is clear and strong to people and they start to advocate it to their friends and family and so on. And for us, it starts with and always ends with data free. But the value provided by Moya app is so comprehensive and bigger than WhatsApp. People like it, so they tell their friends. We don't buy users. We don't bribe them. We don't give them free coffee or say you'll get a gig of data at a low price, which is what Vodapay are doing. People like Moya app and they tell their friends and it's data free. So, you know, it's the, the product value proposition has to be clear and strong to people to even have a chance of doing that. And I think WeChat just never even were close to that type of value proposition. Marius, welcome back. I've got uh, a few minutes, a question from your side as you've been listening in. I think, uh, Agar, if you could maybe just quickly comment on uh, expansion into iOS and, you know, maybe even USSD type. You know, so, I mean, obviously, um, if, you know, if we, if we expand the reach into Africa, then, you know, what's the situation? So for us, Moya app specifically is you've got to have network effect to be relevant and you've got to be at a certain size and market to be relevant. So we're focusing on South Africa only. I'm not trying to take Moya app to other markets. It's, it's really the new mix it for South Africa. Um, we're testing an iOS version now. It won't have all the features of the Android version, but we hope to have it released within weeks um, by next month at the latest and then build on it from that. So we see it as vitally important to have iPhone in the mix. Even though they're maybe 10, 15% of the market, you can't get full network effect without including iPhone. So it's just never, it's not been a top priority up until now, but it is now for sure. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.